Welcome to you all uh, who are on this session. This uh, little talk is coming to you from the Denver ashram of uh, Gurudev and Guruji, um, Temple of Peace. So the theme of this retreat is cultivating divine love and uh, the book that uh, we have chosen uh, is going to be Journey to Self-Realization, which I will talk about in a little bit. So let us begin this little program with a small prayer. Let us close our eyes. On this auspicious week, let us remember Gurudev and our loving Paramahamsa Yoganandji. Om Gurur Brahma Gurur Vishnu Gurur Devo Maheshwaraha Guru Sakshat Param Brahma Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha my humble prostrations to God Almighty, that one omnipresent, all-pervading consciousness, humbly bowing down to all of the Kriya Yoga masters, my prostrations to the saints and sages of all spiritual paths, And on this special occasion, as we go into the celebration of Gurudev's birthday, humbly bowing down to Gurudev for everything that Gurudev has given us. Also, as we celebrate this beautiful year, the hundred years of the master coming to the West, humbly bowing down to our loving Paramahamsa Yoganandji. And I humbly bow down to that same divinity that is present in each one of you. Good afternoon and welcome once again. So the theme being cultivating divine love for this week's retreat, which is being done virtually and the book that we are going to briefly discuss is the compilation of talks and essays of the master. Throughout this talk, when I refer to the master, I'm referring to loving Paramahamsa Yoganandji. So the book I'm talking about is this. So it's, it's obtainable on the internet and uh, the journey to self-realization. And after having chosen the book, I had second thoughts saying, oh my God, what am I going to talk about and how do I connect cultivating divine love and the journey to self-realization? And quite honestly, I was seeking some kind of grace and blessings from the master to lead me into something to say to all of you and share with all of you. And 
sure enough, towards the later part of the book, uh, the master does talk about love. And we will try to briefly explore some aspects of this in today's talk. And the, as, as you can see, uh, the, the book itself is pretty thick, <laughs> has a lot of talks and essays, and it is impossible for us to cover all of it in one hour. Uh, we will try to cover some aspects of it. And in many parts of this brief talk, I will literally be reading uh, the master's statements because it is so powerful that his, the words that the master chose to put in are, are very important. <laughs> when we look at this theme, which is cultivating divine love, before we go all the way to divine love, let us talk about love at a lower level, which is love amongst us at a human level. And then we will come to divine love, how to get there. And, and this first word is very important, which is cultivating, meaning that we have to grow into it. And it is for some, some of our, viewers here, uh, I'm sure you're naturally there because you're a very elevated soul. But some of us, like myself, we are starting at ground zero. We have to grow into it. And how do we go about doing that is, is a question. And that's, we will try to look into that. In one of the chapters of this book, the master says, <clears throat> I remember when my master, meaning Swami Sri Yukteswarji, asked me, and this is when Paramahamsa Yoganaji is not Paramahamsa yet and not a monk by the name of Swami Yoganaji, but he is still Mukunda. So at that time, Swami Sri Yukteswarji asks him, do you love everybody equally? And the reply was, yes. And Swami Sri Yukteswarji says, not yet, not yet. <laughs> so, and then he didn't realize why. And soon after, it so happened that the younger brother of Mukunda came to study in the school in Ranchi. That is when he became aware that he had the consciousness that it was his brother and his brother was his. He is mine. And that is when he realized that that is why the master had said, not yet, not yet. So gradually, he says that the consciousness wore off and he came to the realization that my, his brother was but a part of all of humanity which he loved. So you love all alike as God does. 
So then as time progressed and the teachings poured into Mukunda and transformed him into a Paramahamsa, Paramahamsa Yoganandji. Much later, one day again, Swami Sri Yukteswarji asked him, do you love the whole world? And his response, he just said, I love. That's it, period, I love. And Swami Sri Yukteswarji apparently smiled and said, your work is finished. So this is a clear demonstration that if any of us is, are in a state of mine and thine, we are not there yet. So God's love is supreme and there is no other greater love than that. And human love, love that is born of instinct has its defects because it is compelled. And this divine love, only the divine love that is born out of wisdom or from great ones, that love is infinitely greater than any parental or any form of human love. And the master says, who cares for my soul but God and my master? So the guru's love is ultimate and unconditional, not even compared to a, patient, to a parent. And he goes on to say that his master, which is Swami Sri Yukteswarji, always guarded me from what? Guarded him from ignorance. And why? Actuated only by love. Because he wanted to make sure that the student got to the goal, the end goal. And many of you are probably attending and listening to the book club talks uh, once a month. And there is that one incident where Mukunda, in spite of his master's insistence that he not go towards the Himalayas or go elsewhere, and that everything will be available right there with him, he still chooses to disappear uh, to, to, to see a, another monk who is very, very elevated, an elevated soul. And the guru, and then he comes back after that to Swami Sri Yukteswarji and asks him, are you, are you unhappy because I did this? And he says, no. I'm, you can go, do whatever you want. <laughs> but my love is unconditional. It is there. And in this book, The Journey to Self-Realization, the master is talking about, he says, real love is when you are constantly watching the progress of unfoldment of the soul. As soon as you cater to someone's physical desire and bad habits, 
you are not loving that soul anymore. You are just pleasing that person to avoid ill will. And he's, he cautions and says, never agree with anyone who is wrong. Not even those who are nearest and dearest to you. No matter how unpleasant it is, tell a friend that he is wrong. If you say that with love in your heart and stand firm on it, sometimes that person will respect you if you are right. And, and the master says, he's just pleading, pleading to the audience that is reading his book. And he says, so this is my prayer to you, that all of you learn how to be true friends, how to, truly, how to be truly loving souls. If you have that divine attitudes, attitude, then you will literally be the conqueror of hearts. And there is nothing more satisfying than that. And he says that you will never be alone when that happens. And you will also attract to yourself many real souls. And even if there is that remote instance that you are left alone, you are still with God. So just a few minutes ago, he Say, the master is saying that his guru, Swami Sri Yukteswarji, protected him from the ignorance. So let us keep these key words in us. The first one is ignorance. And now the master begins to talk about yet another issue, which is, he says, attachment cannot form this spiritual bond. Love can. Nature is dancing this dance macabre, the dance of death. Love outlasts death and the ravages of time. So he, again, coming back to this, he says attachment is, is, is completely disastrous because it is that which is compulsive and it's very narrow and it's very limiting. And the example he gives is, as soon as a baby is born to a mother, instantly there's a feeling impressed on the mother, the mother falls, falls in love with the baby. If not, what will happen? She will not take care of the baby. So it is nature, automatically, this feeling is impressed upon the mother to love. So the compulsion to love our family members was given to us as a first lesson, he says, in learning to give to all unconditionally. That is the first lesson, and then we have to grow it. Along these lines, in terms of giving, Guruji, our loving Guruji Baba Paramahamsa Pragyananji says, look at the sun. The sun shines equally on the water that is there in the river Ganga or in the gutter. It does not matter. So the, sim the sun is a symbol of universal love, unconditional love of the sun on all creation. 
And this attachment spoils family love and in all forms of human relationship because it is excluding others and it is blindly possessive. So he says, disband attachment and learn to give true, sincere love to all. And so it is indicative that true love is impersonal and not bound by anything. And, and this, when we look at this word attachment, it is yet another weakness within us. Ignorance is one, attachment is another. And that is where when we look at the teachings of Gurudev, he has quoted and also Guruji quotes the great Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, where he talks about ripe mango and unripe mango. So the unripe mango, if it is forcibly detached from the tree, okay, it may become a good pickle, but it does not become a ripe mango. It doesn't have the smell. It doesn't have the sweet taste. And he reminds us that when that mango becomes ripe, the color changes, number one. The smell is phenomenal. And then if we eat the mango, now it's mango season in Miami. I'm sure many of you are having fun over there. Uh, so enjoying the mango, it, it complete sweetness. It has completely transformed from a sour pickle mango to a sweet mango. And in that instant, the mango, when it is ripe automatically, detaches itself from the tree naturally and that is where uh, this this question comes about saying if you're not attached how do you live in the world and there again we come back to Gurudev's teaching and he says be compassionately detached again quoting and coming back to the teachings of the master he says we must learn to love our family purely, to love our friends purely, to love our country purely, to love all mankind purely. <laughs> and then he says, patriotism is wonderful, but if it leads to aggression, then it is wrong. And patriotic egotism is bad and nations should be aware of egotism. So we have heard about ignorance, attachment, and egotism, ego. Three, three weaknesses, three points of growth for all of us before we can get to the point of divine love. We have heard a couple of days ago, Swami Atma Vidyananji talk about Mirabai, the Rajput princess, 
as he was concluding the talk, he said he just surrendered to Lord Krishna and what was left behind was just her clothing and she, was, she just disappeared, she emerged. How can that happen to us? Why is that not gonna happen to us? Why is that not happening? So her union with the divine, the disappearance, becoming one can happen to any individual who is on the path as long as we get rid of all this baggage that the master is pointing out. He says, ignorance, attachment, ego. So these are all the problems. So when we talk about cultivating divine love, we need to, we still need to climb the step. There are stepping stones to get to that state of divine love. It's not an overnight process unless somebody has gone through this purification over the course of many lives or in this life itself and has come to that point of culmination where their everything has been purified. And we'll talk about that a little bit in terms of what else needs to be purified within us. And so the master goes on to say, that is the love of God when impartially you are ready to live and die for all. And this is where he begins to introduce the other aspect. He says, it is so wonderful to be good and to be humble. Egotism repulses, humility attracts. When man behaves in a humble way, he strikes a beautiful card in the hearts of others. A man of humility, he says, easily exercises spiritual influence on others. Such a one has satisfaction that he has done his best on the earth. So the more humble you are, the stronger you will be in spirit, the master says again. And so he has contrasted the other side of ego, which is the opposite of ego is we have to become humble. <clears throat> and just like myself sitting here, he says, uh, it is easy to be a master in words. You know, I can, I can give you all the theory here, but it requires tremendous amount of strength to be a master living with people. And all our Kriya masters are living examples. We, many of us have been in the direct presence of Gurudev, Many of us are continuing to be in the presence of Guruji. We see their behavior. Every action, there is a consonance and a perfect uh, synchronicity and, and the, what we call as walking the talk. It is not just mere theory in their words, but they live it in terms of exuding that 
love towards another kriyavan, another person they see, which in, in our case, I don't know, maybe many of you are not at the state I am because I'm, I consider myself still a very, very beginner and just starting on this path. And we find ourselves loaded with all kinds of issues and we are highly judgmental of people, situations, etc. And, and an example that we uh, that a quote in uh, some of the talks is, let us say we are walking down the street and we see another individual coming down from the other side and you've never met this person before. But just the look, you just look at them, look at that individual and the mind has already judged and said, I like or I don't like the person. For no fault of theirs, you've not spoken to them. They have said nothing. They have done nothing. They have never been in your life before, at least in, that, in this present body. But the mind has already made, has passed judgment and said, I don't like him or I don't like her or I like him or I like her. So we are this mixed bag of likes, likes. So that is yet another issue that we have to confront before we even get to the point of divine love, where I'm not able to love my fellow brethren, a fellow journeyman on this way to self-realization. And here the master says, he said, and, and he quotes the same similar kind of a situation. And he says, everyone sees and judges you according to his own mind. So the mind of many of us, except for the realized masters, is heavily tainted, heavily influenced by the samskaras, the latent impressions of past lives. And in this particular book and this particular section of the book, the master is giving, uh, uh, narrating a beautiful story. And he says, a young boy traveled with him and probably a few others from all the way from the East Coast of the United States to Los Angeles. And this young boy, he went out of his way to criticize everything. <laughs> so, um, and, and the master was, just listening and watching this. And so, and it so happened that apparently Paramahansa Yoganandji has this beautiful dark hair, right? Long hair. And you can see in the corner of our altar, the, the corner picture that's sitting on the table is the young Paramahansa Yoganandji with his dark hair. And so before his lectures, he would comb his long hair and this young boy was always analyzing me, he says. <laughs> so, <laughs> but what the young boy did not know was, Paramahamsa Yoganandji says, I had turned my mental camera on him also. <laughs> so, so both of them are analyzing each other. It's a, it's a good drama, right? So after two weeks, 
the master says to the young boy, he says, I want to have a chat with you. And then he says, what have you been writing about me in your letters? So he, the young boy has been writing letters. <laughs> and so, and listening to this, the young boy is startled and shocked. And instantly he says, someone has been opening my letters. And so promptly the master says, so you admit that writing about me. <laughs> so, and then, uh, then he goes on, the master goes on to say, since I knew you were writing, I have been taking very special pains to stand before the mirror and exaggerate the combing of my hair. <laughs> so, he is giving the young boy an opportunity to make his mind more judgmental and, and, and write everything possible. So having been uh, caught at this, the, the young boy became really ashamed. So this is again demonstrating that the mind is just observing, but is making judgment over it and, and wonder what he was writing in those letters. So, uh, then the master goes on to say, he says, whatever you are before God and your own conscience, that is all you are. That is what you are. And, and it doesn't matter even if the whole world misunderstands you, nothing is lost. You are what you are. And he also goes on to say that to, to, to stand to criticism is a very effective way of becoming a good or a better individual. And as many of you have read the book, uh, the small little books that Guruji has been releasing, Freedom from Fault-Finding Nature. Uh, so that is where the master says, though it is easy to criticize others than to find fault in yourself, First of all, it is very important to find and correct those faults within ourselves. And that is yet another weakness within us that has to be cleaned before we get to divine love, right? So, uh, and the master says, remember, he has also of growth. Yes, we agree that he has had a divine birth. He has already done a lot of homework in his past lives. And Lahari Mahashi has already predicted that he'll become a spiritual dynamo, but still there is homework to be done in this life. And he says, he quoting the master, he says, I learned from my master, meaning from Sri Yukteswarji, to pick myself to pieces when criticized. If I find any flaw there, I correct myself. And when I do not find anything, I smile. When we look at the statement and we see the master analyzing himself, to be able to even do that in a, an unbiased way itself is a phenomenal achievement because the human mind is biased. The human mind is biased to the point where it says, I'm perfect, I'm flawless. No, 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 no. If somebody blamed me, no, no, that is his problem. I, I, am, I, am, I have nothing to do with that. 
So that is the way the mind is. It does not want to look back and says, hmm, there is a problem. There is a problem. There's a weakness. I need to fix it. So to even get to that point, it is like an alcoholic acknowledging that they have a problem, that they are a confirmed alcoholic. It takes a lot until that alcoholic hits bottom to acknowledge that they are an alcoholic. In the same way, the mind, it takes a lot to get to that point and say, yes, there is a serious problem. I need to, if I am really going to get to that point of experiencing divine love, if I want to get to that point of self-realization, I need to transcend this weakness. I have to acknowledge the weakness before I even transcend it. So this itself is, you can see that it is phenomenal greatness on the, on the part of the master. And we all go through all kinds of experiences in life. And here the master is saying, God sends to you those experiences you need that you might profit by them. These experiences are causing us to evolve because we are not there yet. Because we are on the journey. We are on the journey to self-realization. And on this journey, we have to evolve. And these experiences that we go through in life are what cause us to evolve. And the master says, if you run away from those lessons, you will still have to learn them sometime, somewhere else. Every experience is a good teacher, he says, if you learn from it. But it is a tyrant if you abuse that opportunity and with resentment and non-understanding. If you resent that experience, that individual, whatever it is, so it is, it is a problem. <clears throat> and here he says, with the right attitude, life in reality is very simple and very easy. And as he talks about this aspect of the heart and the love aspect of it, he says, whatever he is saying, he says, whatever I say is not merely words, but what I feel for all of you. And as he is delivering this particular talk, he says, the Lord gave me the vision of the entire world just now as I'm talking to you. And he says, and Lord is saying to him, he says, I love all and have given freedom to all to cast me away or to accept me. If I follow my wishes or go against me, if they, if they follow my wishes or they go against me, I still love them all. Though I gave them my love, heedlessly, they are destroying one another with hatred and killing each other with bombs. I still love them all. They shall feel my love 
if they seek it in the temple of hearts, this love I have for all nations and all civilizations, irrespective of their wrongdoings, is the love thou must have that thou mayst be able to feel and understand my love for all. It's unconditional. And he says, this is the message of the Lord to all of you. All of us. We have looked at several aspects already and there are a boatload of other issues that we have to transcend to even get to divine love, which is unconditional. So whether it is an individual or a nation that is errant and not in line with your thinking, you still exhibit unconditional love. And how do we go about getting to that point of being able to do that? and to transcend these weaknesses or issues that we have. We are talking about ignorance, attachment, ego, and the whole mind complex, which is memory, intellect, the purification of all of this. If the mind is not pure, there is no way we are going to be able to get to that point of divine love because it is still operating in the lower five lower chakras and the ultimate and the best way to go about addressing this is Kriya Yoga. And the master says, when by Kriya Yoga, you can withdraw your life energy and consciousness from the five sense telephones, when you can withdraw your vitality from your body and mind, and throw the searchlight of your attention on God. That is the highest way to God. And Kriya Yoga as a technique itself, as all of you are aware, brings about this inner purification. Purification of the mind, purification of the senses. If we are sense bound, to be able to get to, to the state of divine love is almost impossible. So, When we look at Kriya Yoga, Karma Yoga, Karma Yoga, Kriya Yoga leads to Jnana. And in Jnana, you have knowledge. Jnana is knowledge. And from Jnana, if we apply that, becomes Vijnana. And through the application of Vijnana comes the ultimate, which is wisdom, Pragnana. And from that Pragnana, arises bhakti, devotion. And even deeper from that bhakti comes shuddha bhakti. When Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, through several circumstances, eventually makes Swami Vivekananda go and stand in front of the stone statue of Divine Mother Kali, saying, go and ask for food, ask for support for your family. Instead, Swami Vivekananda is asking the Divine Mother for three things. Absolute detachment, absolute knowledge, and divine love, Shuddha Bhakti. 
pure, pure love, pure love. So, but even a great personality like Swami Vivekananda had to go through the troubles and tribulations of being cleaned out, the ego being broken in order for there to be a manifestation of that divine love eventually. When we come to our Kriya teachings and when we talk about this love before we get to the even the state of divine love, breath itself is love. Breath is God. So we have to practice Kriya to master the breath. Many of you are familiar with the Gurudev, these three beautiful lines. Breath control is self-control. Breath mastery is self-mastery. Breathlessness is deathlessness, the state of immortality. It is that state of samadhi, deathlessness, where true union is experienced, where true divine love is experienced. That is the state of divine love because it is an egoless state, nirvikalpa samadhi. Guruji in one of his talks beautifully says, there is Ras Leela, the play of Lord Krishna with Gopi, which is divine love. That is what we want. We don't want Rasa Leela. Rasa Leela meaning the play of the lower chakras. And this union with the divine can take place only when there is complete surrender. And surrender can happen only when the ego is dissolved. And this ego is a critical aspect of the mind. As you're aware, the mind is basically four parts. The mind, the flow of thought, memory, the intellect, and the fourth aspect, the ego. So purification of all of these, purification of the senses will get us to that point and help us cultivate, which is the theme of this uh, retreat, which is cultivate divine love. And in this beautiful book, again, the journey of self-realization of the master, he does not talk about this aspect of love almost end of the book. So you have to go through about this many pages. <laughs> so quite a lot. And only then does he begin to talk about conquering hearts. So because the title of the book is Journey, Journey to Self-Realization. So it's a process, a step-by-step -step process. And 
apart from the purification, that is why the whole initial part of the book and a vast majority of the book is focused on different aspects where he talks about simply to start with, he says, the attitude towards life, the mind and its state. How, what is a state of our mind? We cannot overnight try to get to the state of Mirabai. To that, even she had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations. And this whole journey of self-realization cannot be taken up if either the mind or the body is weak. Again, to quote Guruji, where he quotes from the Upanishads and says, This self, realization or the self, the soul is not tangible to the weak, either in the mind or the body. So the master in this book is focusing significantly in the beginning on the mind, body, including food, aspects, etc., and giving tips and guidance on how to get there. It's a journey. And this topic that we have today, the how to cultivate divine love, comes about at a much later stage towards the end or even later as a part of culmination of self-realization. But we as travelers on this path of uh, self-realization, some of you may be already there. Congratulations to you and wonderful. But somebody like me who is just starting on the path, I have a, we have a long way to go. Starting with simple things like thought. You're sitting for meditation and there's all kinds of thoughts coming up. And then the intellect. The intellect, if it is not pure, it is not discriminatory. And so here, the master is giving us several tips. He's uh, talking about the state of mind. And some of us are starting on this journey later in life. And we may conclude and say, if you look at, look at this guy who's talking to you, you say, oh, this guy's got his, his beard is all white. He's an old guy. And that's true. I'm an old guy. <laughs> but Paravam's Yoga Energy says, no, I don't accept that. He says he has a complete def different definition of youth and old age. He says the definition of youth is that state of body, mind, and soul in which one feels the acme, the zenith of joy and power. So if you want to, you can retain that state indefinitely. It is completely left up to you. And conversely, you can very easily lose it. Um, and, and when he talks about the initial aspects, the kind of attitude we keep towards life, and he has always advocated, he says, 
smile, smile all the time, be a smile millionaire, regardless of what problems rack us. Uh, and, and we are, we were talking about these several issues that we are trying to transcend. We are trying to transcend this, the senses, the mind, and even deeper when we start going into it, we're trying to transcend our own nature, the different gunas, which are causing us to behave in a certain way. So all of that has a bearing on our attitude towards life. And the master is talking about that. And he says, a positive attitude is, is first and key as we begin this journey on uh, to, to self-realization. So he says, harbor no form of anger or malice towards anybody also. And, and so it's uh, critical. He talks about exercise, how important walking every day to breathe properly, to fill, fill the lungs, to oxygenate and, and uh, revitalize the body and overindulgence over of the senses, not to overindulge the senses causing disease and old age, how, how to live into, into that. Um, and he has a significant emphasis on habits. We have all kinds of habits that we have either brought into this life from a previous, several previous lives. And he says, we have to break those, the tenacity of habits. And this habit, Guruji also has talked about it. He says, have it, have it, have it, and it becomes a habit. So we have to change it. For example, not all habits are really that bad. For example, I may have a habit of sleeping late into the morning, and that goes my morning meditation. But I can change that. It is all within my hands. And that is where the master goes on to say, the thoughts are molding your actions and your mental convictions from repetition of those actions is the fire that hardens the thoughts into unyielding habit patterns. So you want to change that, breaking and uh, changing the habit. And he says, old age is a state of mind. And the master says, one must never give up hope of becoming better. And he says, a person is old only when he refuses to make the effort to change. That stagnation, that stagnant state is the only old age he recognizes. So that is old age for the master. So, and that is important for us to keep that saying, doesn't matter, I'm starting now, no problem. Let me start and I'm going to go, go past this thing and make myself every qualified student. And Guruji emphasizes that quite a bit. When we talk about cultivating divine love, in order to get to that state of divine love, have I become qualified as a disciple? What is my qualification? Where am I? Once I become or make myself qualified through this purificatory process of practicing Kriya Yoga, automatically either love or divine love, both will flow. We are almost at the very 
of our little talk in terms of time. I would conclude with a few sentences again from the master. He says, give everything to God and you will change because then the human ego can no longer dictate to you. No matter what comes to you, just say, God knows best. It is he who is giving this suffering to me. It is he who is making me happy. With this attitude, all your nightmares of life will change into a beautiful dream of God. Guruji calls this Prasada Baba. Accept everything as Prasada, Prasada of God. Whatever comes, comes. I'm here to face the music and enjoy it. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it is pleasant. So with that, it is, I'm a couple minutes away from the time. It is, we have a nice thick book here and it is impossible to cover all of the contents of this book uh, in an hour. But we've tried to tailor this content to the theme, which is cultivating divine love. In order to get there, we first, if we make ourselves qualified, it will automatically happen. So with that, I would like to take leave of all of you. May God and Gurus bless all of us and help us transcend our weaknesses, make us pure so that we may all get to that state of experiencing both love in this world and that ultimate state of divine love itself. Om Tat Sat Om Brahmar Panamastu. Jai Guru. God bless you all.